0: but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to BFTExpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Future Tech Podcast. My name is Alan Thomas. I'm joined today by Michael Brett, CEO of QBranch. How are you doing, Michael?
2: Uh, great, thanks, Alan. Thanks very much for having me.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, it's great. Great to have you. So let's jump right into it. Tell us about QBranch. Who are you guys? What do you guys do?
2: Yeah, sure thing. So um, QBranch is a data analytics and software company. Uh, we specialize in uh, creating algorithms for uh, advanced data analytics, so a lot of uh, machine learning and predictive analytics type work uh, in the finance, insurance, and technology sector. Um, one of the things that we're particularly interested in, though, is the application of quantum computing to uh, the kind of predictive analytics work that we do. And so uh, a lot of our work uh, in research and development and uh, new products uh, is focused on uh, how do we harness the opportunity of quantum computing and get an early start on some of the applications that enable new technology. So we're, we're based in Washington, D.C. Uh, we're an early stage company. We're about 20 people. Um, we've got a team uh, here in DC, uh, but also in Australia and UK working with our customers there.
1: And let's talk about some of what some of those applications would be. What are, are some of the applications that could be that could be used?
2: Yeah, sure thing. So you know, quantum computing is a rapidly emerging new technology. It's a, a new type of computational uh, architecture uh, that allows us to do Um, some algorithms that just aren't feasible on a classical computer. So by using a different kind of mathematics, uh, quantum mathematics, and then solving those equations very efficiently, uh, there's the potential for us to accelerate some really interesting applications that would be intractable on on a classical machine. Uh, And you can kind of split the the types of applications in different um, uh, focus areas uh, based on the, the time frame to their commercialization, um, there's a set of applications which require a very powerful, like large quantum computer um, uh, that's at least 10 years away, probably more. And some of those applications are kind of the, the ones that get written about a little bit more in the media, like things like the, the particular algorithm that uh, helps factor prime numbers could be useful for um, breaking encryption and that kind of thing. Um, and but the scale of computer that would be required to run that algorithm is, is a long way off. Um, what we're more interested in in the short term is what we can do with a quantum computer that will be accessible in the next like three to five years. And the, the term that's being used in the industry right now to describe is the noisy intermediate stage quantum and a set of applications that could run on like these sort of noisy early stage useful. And they broadly fall into three categories. Um, that's... Uh, optimization problems, accelerating machine learning algorithms in the training phase in particular, and the third one is uh, using a quantum computer to simulate quantum chemistry. Uh, And so looking at things like how uh, molecular interaction unfolds uh, using a quantum computer. And so those three application areas, optimization, machine learning, and quantum chemistry, uh, they've got uh, tremendous uh, industrial potential uh, if we're able to uh, find uh, the particular approaches that could work on these these early-stage quantum computers and, and bring them into um, uh, adoption uh, as fast as we can. Oh, and
1: and just, and how did QBranch come together? What's the the background of the company? How did it start?
2: So uh, QBranch was founded about uh, three and a half years ago now um, by a group of people that had worked together for a long time in the um, defense and aerospace world. So my personal background is uh, aerospace engineering. Um, and uh, my job used to be all in predictive analytics for risk analysis around uh, rocket launches. So, my job used to be to predict where rockets would land. Uh, and it turns out that the kind of mathematical approach and the kind of um, uh, analytics that we were using to do uh, that kind of risk analysis um, is really well suited to a whole range of other applications in the commercial sector. And so, we saw an opportunity to transition that technology from a uh, defense and uh, and aerospace domain with there's really only one customer, which is the Defense Department, uh, into the commercial sector where there's a wide range of customers that are interested in things like risk and pricing and understanding customer behavior, predictive analytics. Um, and it was through some connections that we have in the in the defense sector that we got uh, an early look at some of the emerging quantum computing technology, uh, probably about five years ago now. And the more we looked at. Quantum computing, the more convinced we became that not only was this a technology area that was poised to rapidly accelerate um, but also the kind of algorithms that could be enabled by a quantum computer would be really well suited to predictive analytics and so we saw an opportunity to combine those two things where you know, a core business built around predictive analytics and risk and pricing and customer behavior and that kind of thing, but then uh, a, a technology play of uh looking at quantum computing as a as a technology differentiator uh, to support that. And so we we founded the company um in DC uh and we got to work uh trying to build platforms and algorithms that uh our customers would find useful uh in that area and uh working with as many quantum computing developers as we
1: could as well. Okay, obviously quantum computing could affect tons of different industries, but uh, so what is the ultimate goal of Q-Branch? What's the ultimate mission of, of Q-Branch?
2: Uh, so the, the primary goal of Q-Branch is to enable developers within enterprise organizations uh, for them to be able to solve problems using quantum computing and uh, to be able to do so without really needing to know what's the, the underpinning mathematics of quantum physics and uh, the underpinning technology there. Um, and it's very similar to the kind of development that we do today on, like, if you're an app developer or a web developer, you you'd likely know some of the core principles of how the silicon chip in an iPhone works, but you don't really know how exactly that's behaving and, and how it's performing. Um, but there's all these tools that are available to uh, like libraries and compilers and test environments that allow developers to create uh, solutions that are relevant to them without necessarily needing to know exactly what's going on under the hood. And so that's the opportunity in quantum computing right now. There's um, hardware that's emerging. It's quite complex to use, and you you need to have a quite deep understanding of how exactly the quantum physics is behaving uh, to make it useful, but the better job that we do of extracting that complexity away and putting tools into the hands of developers, that allows the the regular software engineer, the regular computer scientist, like a graduate who's first out of school and his first job at uh, a large enterprise, they need to be able to pick up the tools of quantum computing and add it to their solution without necessarily needing to know the, the complexity behind it. So that that's the problem that we're trying to solve.
1: And so when a developer, let's say, you first engages with you or first comes to you, I guess, what is the what is the starting process like for them to be able to get to that point where they can use a solution in order to speed up their work? Do they need to Do they sit down with someone and kind of go over what their needs are, or, or how does that work?
2: Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you an example of uh, uh, um, a program that we run with many of our customers, which is uh, essentially a quantum computing hackathon uh, day. Um, and the, the whole point of these hackathons is to uh, demystify quantum computing uh, for the developer in, in an enterprise and Give them the kind of quantum computing 101 and the, the hands-on experience to, to get through like that initial learning curve And so one of the things that we offer is hackathon package where we will come into an into an enterprise uh, provide a sort of quantum computing training for uh, one or two hours just to get the, the concepts across the, the key points and then a, a series of problems sort of like taggle where you've got like a a data set or a, a particular challenge and some of the information is provided and uh, developers have the opportunity to, to like put in place those concepts that we've taught and see the immediate response of that and start to get like a, a feel for quantum computing and why it's different and how to think quantum uh, which is a, a bit of a leap in itself and by the end of the day developers walk out of these hackathons having solved uh, five or six applications themselves, and can go home feeling like that they've uh, you know certainly not mastered quantum computing, that, that would take uh, a lifetime, but um, have broken through that first barrier and like, demystifying what it is, why it's different, what the potential is behind it, and then can start to get creative about how they might be able, able to apply it to their work.
1: So it sounds like the, the hackathons are, are a great way to kind of give developers a taste of, of of the type of line of thinking they need to develop in order to get the most out of quantum computing, it kind of gives them a taste for.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. It's just to wet the appetite, um, and spend a little bit of time getting through the the kind of language barrier and conceptual barrier of quantum computing. Like it is, it is a relatively steep learning curve. Um, but once people can get through that and, and start to code themselves and get hands on and just. Go through that cycle of try something, see if it runs, see how it broke, fix it, and like do that a couple of times and just, uh, get a feel for it. It's a completely different sense for a developer about how that feels compared
1: to reading about it in a book or um, listening to a podcast. And so, in putting together Q Branch, what are what would you say are some of the difficulties or the hurdles that you had to encounter in order to get to this? Uh, so one of the the primary challenges for us, is like as a
2: software company. Um, we are entirely beholden to the hardware companies that are that are creating this technology and you know, i my hat goes off to uh the folks that are building the quantum computing hardware because they're the ones doing the the really heavy lifting on bringing a new technology into the world and so uh we've got a great relationship with uh a lot of the hardware developers um and we're in the process of building up that ecosystem but as a commercial business we one of the main things that we can't control is how quickly the hardware development cycle goes through. And so we wanna work very closely with the hardware folks um, to give them the feedback they need to improve the hardware and get it ready for commercialization, which would then enable the applications and developers that we're building. And so that's that's a, a challenge and, and sort of a, a time frame risk as a business that we're not in control of, but is a is a pretty big impact to, to what we do. Um, and then the, the second, biggest challenge is uh, finding the the right kind of talent that can support uh, that kind of development. So we need software engineers and data scientists and machine learning folks that have a a little bit of a physics bent as well and want to get curious and passionate about a new type of computer uh, and all of the challenges and bugs that come along with with that while also matching that to real-world industrial problems. And so that's a a quite unique skill set and experience base and uh, uh, finding the right right people to be involved in that journey is uh, is always a challenge for any company of our size.
1: And, and when you mentioned the commercialization that's coming, do you think that'll lead to heavier regu- regulator involvement in the space once you once you really get to that point?
2: Uh, I I don't foresee that um, uh, being any more regulated than any other advanced computing device. Um, you know, I'd put quantum computing into roughly the the same kind of thing as a, a tensor processing unit or the GpgPU uh, kind of world it's a it's a uh, unique processor that will run alongside uh, other high performance computing assets and, uh, and provide uh, part of the solution to to those problems um, I, I hope that whatever regulation that comes along is appropriate and and I believe that the the industry itself and the the technology companies that are involved in this, we're we're very aware of the, the potential of this technology, and we'll we'll be out in front um, trying to set up our own code of conduct and, and rules uh, so that uh,
1: we can make the most
2: of this technology and uh, include as many people along for the ride as we can.
1: And so we've talked about some of the the challenges that you face getting up to this point, but what are some of the main achievements that you that really stick out to you these past couple of years?
2: Yeah, we've we've uh, we've done some really exciting stuff. Um, one of the the most recent announcements uh, was that IBM, who are uh, one of the leaders in creating quantum computing hardware, um, IBM selected uh, eight startup companies to have access to IBM hardware uh, and to start developing applications and to do that work. And, and QBranch was uh, selected as one of those eight companies globally to get access to that hardware. And that was the culmination of, of many years of uh, work in, in building up our uh, credibility and insight and uh uh, our uh, ability to be able to work with IBM on, on their platform. Uh, so that was a, a, a like a real sort of keystone moment for us to uh, be selected and, and uh, have access to uh, an early stage piece of hardware like the folks at IBM are creating. Uh, the, the other uh, really um, rewarding thing that we've done is to uh, introduce a, a lot of young people to uh, quantum computing and to see some graduates coming out of university that have worked with us on like an internship or a, or a final year project. They've done some work in quantum computing and incorporated that into their like final year engineering or something, end up entering the workforce with some insight into the potential of this technology and wanting to be involved in it. And so um, just being able to help make that technology accessible to um, students that are still at an undergraduate university level and help prepare that workforce for the future um, has been incredibly rewarding to see how how well people have picked that up and and got really creative with it and learned a, a tough new technology kind of on the fly uh, and then pursued a career in it.
1: Well, if anything, uh, I guess college students would be the best if you think about it to learn a, a new <laughs> technology just kind of like you said, just kind of on the fly, especially when it's constantly changing. College students now, you know, they've, what they've basically grown up with tablets in their hands, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One, one one of our Sayings is that um, that they don't really know how hard it is what they're doing because they've never really experienced <laughs> like, <laughs> how difficult this technology is. So we don't tell them just how challenging it is what they're doing, um, but they 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 find a way. So uh, that tenacity and drive and passion to uh, excel and to 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 learn something that. Um, will be certainly a part of their careers and part of their lives over the next 40, 50 years watching a a new technology like quantum computing unfold. Um, It's great to have them involved.
1: And and what do you think the roadmap looks like for QBranch over the next year or two years?
2: Yeah, so uh, we're in this phase of quantum computing right now where we've got access to early-stage hardware um, that's kind of in a closed environment in some ways, like the, the hardware manufacturers like uh, creating essentially prototype devices that are kind of the the, um, the first instances of like useful machines, but they're not yet of the scale or of the, uh, the the level of assurance that you'd want to run a commercial application. And so it's kind of like the you know, imagine we are three years ahead of the iPhone being released, and we've got early access to some of the prototype iPhones. Like the, the, the um, Initial engineering software development kit type type devices, but we 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 have an opportunity to work with those to understand how these devices work and prepare ourselves for the uh, eventual release of um, um, commercial grade uh, Widespread distribution machines and be one of the first ones in that so what QBranch is doing is working very closely with the, the hardware folks, but then also uh, trying to match that with uh, the enterprise customers out there that will eventually use quantum computing and create that link between the application and the hardware and find out the, the most valuable, the most useful, uh, the most creative solutions to hard computational problems in industry and then uh, validate that on hardware and uh, create that uh, the, the software that will enable that in the
1: future. Well, actually, that leads me to uh, a question I had in my head also about whenever you're talking about, New developments or new ideas coming down the pike are there any that come to mind where that you may have heard of or discussed where you say, well, that seems more like something that might be three to five years out versus us being able to do it next year
2: yeah there's there's no doubt quantum computing is uh the, there are a lot of challenges uh still ahead like there's there's some really Uh, fundamental science that that is going on with quantum computing and will continue to be required uh, to create these machines Um, in addition to that is the the engineering of these machines and learning how to build them Uh, and then the the software and applications that sit on top of that so there's there's certainly going to be a number of years of effort ahead of us uh, bring quantum computing to commercial fruition but the early results that we're seeing and the potential of quantum computing is so great that uh, It's just really exciting to be uh, on this journey and uh, be involved in a technology like this Um, So, you know, we often get the question like how far away exactly is quantum computing commercialization? Um, The answer is we don't know Uh, We've got so much work to do uh, In both the hardware side and the software side um, uh, in in the meantime, but um, an incredibly promising future.
1: And it seems as if, it would seem that the software developers and the hardware developers would need to keep in constant contact in order to kind of keep things synced up, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. So in building the hardware, the the hardware developers um, have to make trade-offs all the time about which direction they pursue. Uh, So whether that's more qubits, the building block of a quantum computer, or uh, the better quality of those qubits, like that, that engineering trade off is an important one to make, and there's only so much resource to, to apply to it. And so, how does the hardware developer make that decision um, about where to assign their resources and which direction to go? The best way to do that is through insight into the application and the, the potential return on investment from that, which comes from the software folks. Um, and so, we're in that design loop right now with the hardware folks, where we're feeding back to them the applications that we're seeing and the potential in industry and where adoption might occur, and that's informing them about the the trade-offs that they need to make uh, and where best to prioritize their next
1: iteration of the the chip. So, with the back and forth that you guys have, that kind of it, it kind of dictates what direction the entire ship is going to go.
2: Yeah, that's right, and and there are multiple different hardware architectures and, and different ways of approaching it. We don't know which one is going to win out, or there's likely to be multiple winners, not just one winner, in quantum computing, and there'll be different use cases for different machines, just depending on uh, their, their features. And so <clears throat> getting in that, um, that feedback loop and getting that feedback loop as tight as we can uh, is going to be so important to uh, getting all of this technology into commercialization.
1: And so what would be the, the big takeaway that you'd want our listeners to get from this interview, from talking about Q-Branch? What, what would be some final thoughts?
2: Uh, so I think the big takeaway is to know that quantum computing is coming. It's it's a real tangible thing. You can today go to the IBM Quantum Experience and you can program a quantum computer uh, yourself. This afternoon, there's code on online that you can play around with and uh, run that on a, on, on a piece of hardware. Uh, you can also start uh, working through the developer cycle on, on tools like ours uh, and uh, some of the other products out there to start to get creative about how quantum computing algorithms could be embedded in uh, the, the kind of problems that, that you're solving um, at work or at home. And just start to like build up your awareness of this technology and, and how it might uh, have an impact on, on the kind of work you do. Um, one way to think about this is like, imagine where uh, GPUs were like five six seven years ago uh, as a you know they were useful tool um, uh, for uh, doing 3 d rendering for gaming and that kind of thing but the real breakout for the technology was uh, the 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 processing side uh, as that emerged as a new tool and companies like nvidia made different developments it's available um, and people started to think about how that technology could be embedded into their
1: solutions it's a very similar pathway for quantum computing Wow, that's pretty. Uh, that's a pretty cool illustration there. When <laughs> you lay it out like that. <laughs> and uh, and what's the best way for our listeners to get in contact with you and with Q Branch?
2: Yeah, so um, uh, just drop by our website www.qxbranch.com. dot com. Um, we're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, come say
1: hi. Okay, well that's great. Well, well, thank you, Michael, for coming on the podcast and and sharing your expertise and your time with us. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, my pleasure, Alan. Anytime.
0: Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Check Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence,